Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here in New York, it's all about the financial industry, and we're welcoming the woman who really oversees all the financial industry in the state of New York. She's Adrienne Harris. She's superintendent of the New York State Department of Financial Services. So welcome back. It's really great to have you, great Madam Superintendent. Here. So let's start with the banks. Uh, there's a lot of things you have responsible for. Let's start with the banks. Uh, go back to last March. We had a sort of a hiccup in the system yeah. uh, that had to do with some interest rate risk. Uh, and we have some banks still to this day who have a lot of losses on their balance sheet with some of those longer-term securities. How big a problem is that right now? Well, I think the banking system now is very stable after the federal regulators took the actions they did with the systemic risk exception in March. Um, But there's still lots of issues looming, as you mentioned, the interest rate risk and the unrealized losses. Certainly, commercial real estate exposure is high on the minds of regulators all over the country. So the regional banking crisis, I think, uh, is is over. The banks are stabilized, but certainly we're mindful of other risks in the system. You mentioned real estate, and obviously that's a big topic topic here in New York City. We have a lot of empty offices, uh, and it's not clear what's going to happen with them. What about the time when those buildings need to get refinanced? Could we have another form of a crisis with the banks? Yeah, it's an important issue. We look at our banks and their real estate exposure, whether it's office space, multifamily housing. I think regulators across the country and in Washington are looking at loan-to-value uh, in, the, in the event of a refinance. And they're looking at diversification. They're looking at you know the, the segment overall to make sure that that risk is being managed proactively before these loans come due and and thinking about the new normal. What is this going to look like post-COVID? Are these office spaces going to be converted to housing, especially in big cities where there are housing shortages? So it really is a very interesting policy area right now. Hindsight's always 20-20, and there's no point in saying woulda, coulda, shoulda. At the same time, we can learn from what happened in the past. And what do you think regulators, including you, but not limited to you, might have learned from what we went through with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank? Yeah, I think there's so many learnings we We've taken and, and DFS as well as other regulators published reports about that. I think one is thinking about the modernization of regulation. When we think about the liquidity issues that these banks were facing and how fast the deposits fled first from Silicon Valley Bank and then how that fire spread from California here to New York and other banks around the country, now understanding the digitization of money and how that impacts deposits. So, of course, the FDIC is looking at the insurance uh, thresholds. But I spend a lot of time thinking about how we operationalize our regulations. If we're examining banks in a certain time frame, can we make that examination go faster without sacrificing rigor, give feedback to the institutions more quickly, and then hold them accountable for remediation so that that feedback loop becomes tighter and we don't have some of the issues that happened with SVB and Signature where things were going unremediated for cycle after cycle after cycle with respect to examination. So there's a lot to be learned with respect to the rules in particular, but also 
how regulators are doing their job and how bank management's doing their job. Another area where you really have taken a leadership position is on virtual assets, including crypto and things like that. Mm -hmm. there, were, there were regulations in place before you came in, but then you've really moved it forward yes. fairly <laughs> aggressively. At the same time, last time we talked, we talked about what about the feds? Mm -hmm. Where are the feds? Yeah. And we thought we were going to get legislation. Didn't happen. Mm -hmm. How much of that at this point is a little bit of a tug and pull about state versus federal? Because you've wanted parallel regulation, yes. but it sounds like some people in Washington don't want that. I think that's right. We are very keen to make sure that there is a federal regulator, a federal cop on the beat in the virtual asset space because we've seen the risks and the dangers that that space presents. But we in New York have been leading in this space for a long time. The regulations were in place when I came into office, but now we've built a team of over 60 professionals devoted to this day in and day out. We've issued nine pieces of guidance. We oversaw uh, the unwinding of BUSD. Uh, so we're really leading here, and it'd be such a shame to lose that, that expertise and that experience. So just like we do on the banking side, we're eager to see parallel regulation between federal and state regulators. And that's reflected in some of the bills we've seen moving in Washington. I'm hopeful that they'll get done. Some of the bills, but there are reports at least, and you can correct them if they're wrong, that the, some people in the White House would like to have preemption, essentially, have the feds take it over. Is that yeah. right? And if so, why are they doing that? I think it's dangerous. I understand the, the desire to have one set of, of rules and avoid what some people think will be the race to the bottom. But you see in New York, what we have is the most rigorous set of rules and regulations around the world. There's no bigger crypto team than what we've built at DFS. There are no more rigorous regulations anywhere in the world than what we've had on the books. And I think it's important to preserve that. Uh, let me ask you the obvious question. If we had all the right regulations, could we, could we have avoided FTX? As we're watching that trial go on mm. just a few miles south of here. Well, we did in New York where FTX was not licensed to do business. And they made public that they were seeking a license from DFS. And they didn't get one. And in fact, their very business model was antithetical to the standards we have on the books. So if we had that nationwide, I think we would have been much better off. You've been forward leading on cybersecurity. I understand you've been contemplating a possible regulation. Where does that yeah. stand right now? And what would it do if you did adopt it? Yeah, well, New York has been leading in cybersecurity with the original cybersecurity reg uh, that was promulgated in 2017, became the model for federal regulation and for other states across the country. We're now in the process of amending and updating that regulation, so that will come out soon. But we're focused on things like how we tailor the regulation for the diverse sets of businesses that we regulate, from insurance to banking to crypto. We're thinking about governance and incident response and business continuity, and of course, ransomware, because this is a thing that didn't exist the way it does today, six years ago when the reg was originally promulgated. So this is an update that we, we have to make. So I'm eager to get this out. You'll, you'll see it soon, uh, but we're excited about the standards. You've got a lot on your platter. Yeah. Do you have the resources you need to really address it? I mean, because right now, New York State doesn't have a lot of extra money floating around that I've heard about. <laughs> well, we are assessment funded at DFS, so we cost the taxpayer nothing. Uh, we then refund about $500 million a year to the state in the form of restitution, uh, reappropriated assessment money. So just in the two years that I've been at DFS, we've gotten $277 million back to New Yorkers in the form of restitution. So it's really a great investment where you don't have taxpayer money to fund the agency, but you get that much return. But any regulator will tell you uh, that they need more, more bodies. In fact, in my two years at DFS, we've hired 350 people. We've promoted about 250 people. But that's just the beginning. We're still so short-staffed. And I'm looking forward to continue to build the agency because, as you said, we've got such a broad remit and so much we're responsible for. Finally, Madam Senator, you've talked about New York State as being the world's financial capital. Yeah. Is it still to 
today after all that has happened, and what do you need to do to try to ensure it will be tomorrow? I think it is absolutely, and I was just hosting a delegation from the UK. I've hosted delegations from the UAE and similarly gone to their jurisdictions. New York still is the financial capital of the world, but we can't rest on our laurels, and the trick is having robust regulation that protects consumers and markets, but also that grows a healthy and thriving competitive marketplace, and I think both can be accomplished at the same time. Well, that's the question. Is it a zero-sum game? The more regulation you have, the less people want to be here. No, not at all. In fact, to the contrary, especially in crypto, where we've seen we have the most rigorous regulations on the books, and the demand for our licenses and charters only goes up and to the right because companies get that clarity from the regulator, and so it drives demand to be in the market. Superintendent, thank you so much for coming back again. It's really great to have you. That's Adrian Harris. She's superintendent of the New York Department of Financial Services. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.